Good morning. If you enjoyed this staff podcast and you know anyone else who may benefit from it, please share it with them. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. By doing so, we can help make sure that many around the world with limited time have the opportunity to learn the daily daf. Thank you. Okay, Boker Tov. Again, Boker Tov. Today's daf is daf Chof Gimel in Rosh Hashanah. As we learn again for four Shlema for Yosef Azriel Ben Chaya Michal. About ten lines down on the page at the two dots where we left off yesterday. <clears throat> we had just described why they light the torches only on the night after the 30th, uh, because if they would light it in the night after the 31st, it would always force everybody in Chutzlar to keep two days of Rosh Hashanah. All right, so the Mishnah said that, uh, how do they do this? How do they physically light these torches? They brought these long poles made out of cedar wood. Klinza Shaleras of cedar, uh, long ones with... Uh, with reeds, and they used eight shemans, we'll describe, and fluff, and as they, they lit a big torch, and they lit that on top of one mountain, and they kept that lit, they, they went to and fro, back and forth, up and down, until the people on the next mountain could see it all the way down, until they got down to Bovel. So, <clears throat> we mentioned that these made out of these rods were made out of cedar, so we talk about here about, uh, we get, often do a discussion about different kites of wood. And he says there's actually four kinds, that mean awesome, there's actually four kinds of cedar wood. Erez, that's one. Katron will describe as another one. Eight Shemen, another one which we'll talk about. Ubrosh. Brosh is translated usually as boxwood or cypress. Katron, what is that? Omar Avrav says it's Adra. <laughs> that's a translation that they knew what Katron was in, in their language. In, in Bavel, they translated as Adra. The bear of Shilamar Mavliga, they called it Mavliga Varmila Zu Gulamish. Either three different names for the same thing, or there were different opinions as to what Katram was. Was it either Adra, Mavliga, or Gulamish? This, this disagrees with Rabbi Not that there are four kinds of cedar, but there's actually ten kinds. Shinem Pusik says, Etain by Midbar, I will put in the Midbar, says God, Erez, cedar, Shita, Shita, another kind of wood, will describe Hadas, Myrtle, the eight Shemen. Right, I, that's four. Eres, Shita, Das, and HM is four. Asim I'll put in the Arava, also the dry area, Brosh, Tidar, Vitashur. So he mentions over here seven kinds. Eres, Shita, Das, HMN, and Brosh, Tidar, Vitashur. Yachtov. I will put them all together. So the Gemara is going to ask soon, that's only seven. You said ten. But first he describes what they are. Eres is ours, that's cedar. She does, Ternisa is pine wood. Hadas is also that's myrtle. Eight Shemin Afarsima calls that balsam. Brosh is barsa, which is cypress or boxwood. Tidar is shaga, that's teak. And Tashur is shorivna, which is translated as large. So those are the seven kinds of cedar that he describes here. The first thing was that four, here's a seven. Think Mahani Shiva. You said there's ten. The Machlok says, are there four kinds of cedar or ten kinds? So you say seven based on this Pusik, whatever they, as, they tra- as we translate them, but there's only seven, not ten. The Pusik tells us about seven. They added on the three other kinds of cedar. What are they? Alunim, Almunim, and Almugim. What are they? Alunim is Butme, that's Terebinth. Almunim is Bluti, is Oaks. Almuga is Ksiso, which is coral found in the sea. Okay, those, those three are also kinds of cedar. Economic, some say that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Alunim, Almunim, and Almugan, but rather Arunim, Armunim, and Almugan. Almugan is the same, but Arunim and Armunim, the first two are slightly different. Arunim and Armunim and Almugan. Arunim is 
are is called uh, bay or bay trees. Amunim is dulvi, which are called plains, and almugim is ksisa. That's the same. That's almog is like coral, like almog. All right. Uh, so um, those are the those are the ten kinds. The pasuk says again, talking about uh, um, the uh, we're talking now. We mentioned coral, which is found in the sea. How do they actually uh, mine or fish or get the coral out of the ocean? The Pusik says, Vitsiatiloyavaran. The Pusik describing uh Rashi is describing it, um how um eventually there'll be a, a a creek or a little uh river coming out of the base of Migdosh and it gets bigger and bigger as it goes outside of Yerushalayim. So it says Vitsiadir, a large ship, Loyavran will not be it's such a small, it's a such narrow uh river that a, a large ship can't pass it by. Umarab, what is this large ship? Zuburni Gadol. This is a large ship. Borni means a large ship. That's Siadir, a large ship. Borni. Hechiavda. What did now? So the large ship can't pass it by. So the Gemara asks over here, uh, the Gemara is asking really, um, what, um, what, was, what was it, how, how did they do this? Hechiavda, how did they, uh, uh, what did they use this large ship for? These large ships, where did they go? They weren't going to America on the ship. What did they use these large ships for? So he describes what the use was. It wasn't to transport people, but it was actually to uh, trap or capture or harvest the coral from the ocean. How did they do the What did they do? They brought 6,000 people. That's a lot of people. Over 12 months, a year, a year. Some say 12,000 Some say 12,000 people. Over six months of or six months of the year, over a long period of time, it took. What do they do? They took this large ship. What was the purpose of the large ship that was used to harvest the coral? How did they do that? They took thousands of people with uh, you know uh, millions of uh, tons of sand over a period of time, a year or half a year, and they filled up the this gigantic boat with sand. Basically, they weighed it down until it rested in this narrow ocean. We're talking about over here uh, where the coral is found, not deep in the ocean, but in a rather shallow ocean, and enough that you could, uh, that they could uh, go in there, and they, could, they could load up the ship, and the ship would go down to the bottom, rest on the bed of the, of the river. Then they would send divers down, and the divers were cutter, atune de kissing, they would tie flax rope, which is very strong, Kissing, they would try, they would tie the uh, boat, the ship, they would tie uh, edges of the ship uh, with strong flax rope to the coral. Uh, and they tied it to the ship. And then, after it was tied down strong, then they would start removing the sand when they would move the sand from the, from the uh, ship. The shuttle of right, they would throw the sand outside. They took the sand, threw it outside of the ship down below as, as, they, as they dove under the water. The Kama de Medley, and as the ship rose, as the ship became lighter, removing the sand, the ship rose. Akra, they it uprooted the coral from the from the from its roots uh, on the seabed. Umasium would come up, and that's how they that's how they harvested the coral. When the coral was so valuable, Machlavat Chatre because it was worth twice its weight in silver. Right, one 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 uh, let's say one kilo of. Uh, of um, coral was worth uh, two kilos of silver. Klas Parvus and there were three famous ports. Port Parvus is like a of port. Namal, Porta, you see port. 
there were three ports there. Tarti Bermar, two with two with, with the two under the Romans, one under the Persians. The Bermoy Masking Sisa. The one and the Romans was used to bring up this um, uh, this coral. The Bay Parsha, the Persian one, Masking Bersam, they we used that for pearls. They did pearl diving over there in, in that port. It was called the the Iranians, the Persians called it the port of the kingdom. All the pine mentioned again, pine wood is a kind of of cedar. So all the uh, pine wood that the goyim took of Yerushalayim, Hashem will eventually return all that pine to Yerushalayim Shemar. Attained by midbar, God says, I will put in the midbar eres shita. I will put what kind of eras, what kind of a cedar this pine would be in Midbar Yerushalayim. Midbar Yerushalayim Shemar Tzion Midbar Hoysa. Tzion was a Midbar Hoysa Yerushalayim Shemama. So you see that uh, it was called a Midbar. And Hashem will put in the Midbar. In Yerushalayim Hashem will return all that cedar. Another famous thing that he said. If a person te- learns Torah but doesn't teach it to others, he's like a myrtle in the Midbar. It's wasted. What does a myrtle do in the midbar? There's nobody there to smell it, to enjoy it. You can have some say, the other way around. If a person learns Torah and teaches in a place where there are no other Tamil you go out to Yopitzville where there's nobody there, and there's midbar. he's as precious as a myrtle in the midbar. If you come across a myrtle in the midbar, that's, uh, that's very precious because you don't find too many there. The Chavav, it's very precious. They have no remedy for what they have done. God says, in place of the brass or the copper, I will bring gold. In place of the iron, I will bring silver. And as I will, I will replace it with better value. In place of the, of the uh, wood, I will bring brass. In place of the stones, I will print iron. In other words, I'm always going to give something better value. You got Romans who've destroyed Rebekiva and his colleagues. What are you going to bring in place of them? How are you, you can't replace them. They're irreplaceable. Baleim Omer, and about them, quote, is the Pesach and Yol that we, we read, every, we say every Shabbos, Vini Casey, even if I, if I uh, purify them, I find them, I, I turn their guilt into innocence, but you can't repent for the blood for, for Rebekiva, just like we say what the Goyim have done to us, that can't be replaced. Rashi says two lines from the bottom page, and mostly Lakos, even if I want to purify and make innocent the Goyim, Mishara uh, bonus, maybe I'll, I will purify them from their other sins, but for what they've done to the Jews, I will not, I will not uh, find them innocent, I will not purify them. So the last line on the page, when they, where did they bring these torches from when they started? So we started, they started on Harazasim, and they went from mountain to mountain, and he lists the mountains that, of course, we're not familiar with that all geography, with all that geography, the names of those mountains, but those are the mountains that they went to all the way till they got to Bavl. My base, Balton, what is that? Amrav, Amrav says, Zabiram, that was a place that was more well-known under the name Biram, so you know what, if you don't know what base Balton is, you're more familiar with the word Biram. My Gola, so what does it mean when they reached all the way until they reached Gola? The last words, were that um, maybe Malvar until he saw in other words the last person on the last mountain kept uh, kept waving the torch until he saw the whole exile of fun of like one big bonfire. What do we mean by that? Michael Once once the uh, the the torches uh, the sight of the torches reached Pompadisa, which was a big 
a Babylonian town full of Jews, then, uh, then it was all full. My conversation looked like a bonfire. Once it reached that town, everybody went up on their roofs. The individual people took a torch in his hand and waved it on top of the sky. In other words, once it reached that, so everybody in Babel would now see, they, they went like to, to, be, to uh, rejoice that they knew that, that Rosh Chodesh had been declared that day. In other words, we're talking about at night, the night after the 30th, that means that Rosh Hashanah, was, that Rosh Chodesh was declared on the 30th, so the previous month was 29 days, and this was, and, and the 30th day was the first day of the next month. There were other places also that had torches, not just the four mentioned in the Mishnah. The Mishnah mentioned, for, besides Harazesim, right, it's, what did it say? It said, Me'ayin, um, where to go from it, Me'har Mishcha, that was number one, and then to Sartavus two, Griffney is three, Chavron is four, Base Balthan is five. So there were five points. That means that there were four areas between the five points. And he says these other areas were also mountains. These three plus their environs were also, uh, they had torches on them. Some say, some say these were between the five mentioned in our Mishnah. Between those five, these places where the Ikanami said, No, they were on the other side. In other words, they went, they went from two, say, corners of Eretz Israel towards two areas in Bavel. One says, one, the way Rashi seems to say is that they were from two areas in Eretz Israel, they went towards Bavel, two like parallel areas. And one, uh, our, our Tana lists the one, one row of mountains, and this uh, Tana lists another row of mountains. But the idea is the same. Between each one of these five points mentioned in the Mishnah was Shmona Parsals. So if you have five points, there are four areas between the five points. There are eight parasangs between each of these mountains, and that's how, they, that's how far they could see. How much is that a total? Total of Tlasim Atartan, 32 parasangs. As if to say, 32 parasangs are approximately 100, uh, 120 miles or so between Eretz Yisrael and Babel. It takes, it's a lot longer than 120 miles today. Uh, Those roads, those roads which are more direct, were closed up, right? Those roads were closed up, and now we have more roundabout uh, roads. I will block your roads with uh, thorns, so they couldn't get through there. My paths, my... my, um, uh, my lanes, my paths have been made crooked. In other words, that originally they had more straight paths, and now the roads are more curved, and therefore it's longer to get to a uh, bubble. But as, so to speak, as the crow flies, then maybe it is that originally that shorter distance. Now, when they came to Yerushalayim, especially on Shabbos, we said before that the Machal Shabbos, and if, if you saw the new moon, uh, you, you, your Machal Shabbos, you go that day uh, to, to declare the new moon, meaning... You saw it on the on the night of the thirtieth, so you you are the evening going into the thirtieth, uh, as uh, Maish pointed out to me yesterday that he learned from his chavrusa uh, that uh, Rashi quotes over here in the second in the next Mishnah actually that the Levana was seen the new moon was seen on the eve of the thirtieth uh, as the sun was setting as we'll describe soon. But first, we see this mission is when they came on Shabbos. If they, if they saw them on Shabbos, they came to a big courtyard. It's called Beis Yazek. We'll see what, what the meaning, what the purpose of that mean, uh, uh, the name, what the meaning of that name means. 
They put all the Adam in there. What, is, what were we talking about? Since they came on Shabbos, many of them were over on Tchum Shabbos. They came from far away. And Bezin would check them there, would, would interrogate them there to see if they knew what, what if they were you know, valid uh, witnesses. And they were there in that, in that court. Uh, they encur- in order to encourage them to come, they gave them a big suda. They came from far away. It was on Shabbos. And uh, we said before, they can carry their provisions with them. But uh, the Bezna hosted them a large meal to encourage people to come, right? The Jews like to come when there's food, we'll show up, right? Originally, they were not allowed to leave their door. Why? Because since they had gone past the Tchum Shabbos, the if you go past Tchum Shabbos, you, can't, you only have Dalamas, you can't move. You're not allowed to go past Dalamas. So originally he said, okay, you can't go past Dalamas. The whole Chatzar is like Dalamas, but they couldn't leave the Chatzar. His was Metaka, and he made a decree. No, they're like everybody else in Yerushalayim. They can go 2,000 Amas in any direction out of the city. Remember, you have your whole city plus 2,000 Amas in any direction. So he gave them the advantage of a, of a Jerusalemite, right? That he was like any in Yerushalayim. He gave them that <coughs> And there's two things you, you, can, you, can, you can surmise from here. Number one, that it, it could bury, not two, maybe two opposite things. Number one, you could say, that this shows that Tchum Shabbos is only Drabanan. Because if it's Tchum Shabbos is the Raisel or Kerbekiva, well, they, once they went past Tchum Shabbos, they're not allowed to leave. Why would, why would uh, Malil give them a leniency and say, okay, you can, you can walk 2,000 arms out of the city if it's the Raisa and they've gone past the Tchum, then the Chara, they shouldn't be able to go. Some say, though, no, that even though, that, that, and Enachanam, maybe we're only talking about here uh, where, the, where it's the Rabbanan, because if it's beyond. Uh, even the ones who hold it's Rabbanim, which is most of the rabbis, if it's beyond 12 miles, not 2,000 amas, which is a very small amount, 2,000, if it's beyond 12 miles, everybody holds that's beyond Tchum, uh, Tchum Shabbos, and maybe there he wasn't matrib. Others say, other Reforshim say, the Menchus says that no, that even if they went beyond a long distance, and, and even if you say they were over in Adoraisa, that they go in front, since they came Behetzer, because the Torah allows them to come, we learned from a Pasuk that you're allowed to Shabbos for this, therefore the Tchum Shabbos didn't apply to them. So you could say either that it's, that because it's Rabbana and Rabbi Galil was more Mekel, or you could say even if, it was, even if they were over in Adoraisa, either you hold like Rabbi Kiva, that Tchum Shabbos is 2,000 Amas, is Adoraisa, or that it's beyond 12 miles, which everybody holds as Adoraisa, still because they came Behetzer, they were allowed to, Muliel says that you're, since you came Behetzer, the Torah allowed you to come this distance, therefore you're entitled to, the, to, uh, to walk around, uh, the, you're entitled to walk around the whole perimeter of Yerushalayim, 2,000 Amis in any direction like anybody else who lives in Yerushalayim. So, Rabbi Muliel was attacking, they should, they, they're, they're like Yerushalmis, and they can go wherever, they can go 2,000 Amis in any direction, but not only people who came to testify about the new moon, which is there fulfilling your eyes, but anybody who came for a mitzvah to save, to save people's lives, etc., they also have the same heter. Let's say a midwife came to help somebody give birth. That's a mitzvah. They're Makayim mitzvah. Even if they had to come far distance, they're also entitled. They're not stuck in one spot. Uh, for the remainder of Shabbos, if you came from a, there was a fire that was endangering people's lives, and you came to say that's all pikuach nefesh. All these cases are pikuach nefesh. You're allowed to uh, you're, you're, you get the advantages of Yerushalmi. Umena guys, or you say people from the armies, from the troops who came menahar, or an overflowing river menapolis, or from a building collapse. All these cases are cases of pikuach nefesh. they're like the people of Yerushalayim. They can go two thousand amos in any direction beyond the, the, the city limits. What is that name? They came, there was a chutzah that they made 
uh, especially now, if it wasn't Shabbos, they can go, they can walk around wherever they want. This wasn't necessary. It's mashma that this was Dafka on Shabbos that um, they were Machal Shabbos to come there. So there, they had this special chutzah for them and they served food. Iboilu, presumably they had food and drinks for all of them, even during the week. They also maybe gave them a cup of tea and a ruggle or something. Iboilu, base Yazik. Shema, is the name Yazik with an ayin in there, Tanan? Oh, base Yazik, like Lushan of uh, damage. Tanan. Base Yazik, Tanan doesn't mean base Yazik, Lushanam Ali. It's like a Lushan, you know, the Pusik says, by Yaskeu. And he made like an area around about, like they carved out a roundabout area with stones by Yisakleu, and they cleared the stones around it, and they made like a, a, a perimeter, like a fence around it. So it's like a nice lush. And they said they gave them a nice place to stay in this chatzar. Odoma based Yazek Tanan, Lishnit Sar, a lushan of suffering, Kirsiv, Fuasur Bazikim. This Yazik is not a Lushan of Nezik, but a Lushan of chains, bound in chains. So is it like a nice way of saying, oh, they built them a nice area to stay in? Or maybe it means just the opposite, that they kept them like in jail. When they came here, they kept them like in a jail. They couldn't leave the jail. I'm going to buy a Tashma. Uh, I'll prove it from here. The, the Mishnah said, Sudas and they made them a nice meals, right? Kadeshu Regil Mavo to encourage them to come, to become accustomed to come. Oh, it's nice to go there. If, you're, if, you, if you come as Adis, you get a nice meal there. They encourage you to come. So it's mashma that they were nice to them. So the whole thing, base Yazik, should be a Lush and advice. They made them a nice area to sit in with meals and tables and chairs, etc. So Lachar, it's a proof that it's a good Lush and it's a Lush of Yazik, something nice. So the more says, no, Dilmatarte Maybe they did both. On the one hand, they kept them chained. On the other hand, they gave them good meals. So you can't tell from that. Now we get into the nitty-gritty of actually explaining <coughs> what their testimony was. How do you check the Adam? The first, the first uh, pair of Adam that come, you, know, you need to Adam like any other case to testify, like a capital case or a money case. You need to Adam to come. And Bokonoso, Bokonoso, Bokonoso. So the first, the first uh, pair that comes, you check them. Um, you check them first. You examine them first. You take the older of the two witnesses. You take the older one. But Omer, when we tell him, how did you see the Levana? This is besides the other questions that they questioned him. When did you see it? What time was it? Where were you exactly? Things like that. Those are basic questions you ask all witnesses. Right? But he says, how did you see it? Was it ahead of the, of the sun or, before the, or, or behind the sun? Rashi explains, and we've had before, that the, the, the moon basically trailed the sun in its path. Rashi brings down over here, he quotes the Pasuk of Ankehelis, um, that we know that the sun goes from east to west in the course of the day, but it doesn't go directly east-west, like only straight, even at the equator across east-west, but it rather goes, it goes from the uh, east to the, uh, to the south uh, in a subtle way. It doesn't go directly, it's not like a square, it doesn't go east, south, west and north, but it goes curved, it curves that way. So it goes from the east to the uh, southeast, then to the southwest, and then to the north northwest. So as the sun goes, the moon trails it. So he said, was it before, was it ahead of the <coughs> sun or behind the sun? Litzvona or Ladroma. When it's on the western side, when you saw it at sunset, was it uh, to the north or to the south? The Gemara is going to ask, isn't that really the same question? Isn't that really the same question? Because it's on the west side. You're asking, is it north or south? Is it, a, is it ahead of the sun or behind? How, how high was it off the horizon? Where was it pointing to? In other words, it's points. So the, 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 uh, the moon is like a 
uh, is like a sliver, right? Like uh, a crescent, and the the end points. Well, where was it pointing to? How wide was it? If he said it was it was ahead of the sun, then he hasn't said anything. We'll explain what that means, right? What does it mean if it was ahead of the sun? The Gemara will explain in a minute. We'll get to it in a minute. So that's what he said. That's the way he disqualified him right away. What he's really saying is, if he says that the dark part, we know when you see a moon, the moon is really a round ball, just like the sun appears to us. It's a round ball. In fact, it's more round than... Then the sun, the sun we know is all fire, right? It looks round, but it's not really exactly round. It's got all kinds of edges to it. The moon is basically round. But we see part of the moon is always dark, right? The, the dark side of the moon, which, is, which, faces away, which is always faces away from the sun, is always dark. And the, the light part of the moon is the part that we see that, that's reflecting off the sun. In other words, the, the moon out in, the, out in space is really half lit and half unlit. The part that faces the sun is always half lit. That's half lit, half of the moon. Half of the moon is dark. The part that faces away from the sun. To us, though, on Earth, it appears to us as the moon circles around, it appears to us that it has various stages. That it's first a little sliver, then in the middle of the month it's a full moon, because then we see it as the sun is facing directly on it. And then when it's in a direct line and it's totally obliterated, we can't see any sun, any uh, any light there at all, like at the end of the month, beginning when we have before 24 hours, you don't see anything. It's really 12 hours that you can't see that it's really totally dark. And then if there's like a full, it's almost like a full eclipse when the whole thing is, is totally gone, uh, then you can't see it at all. Most of the time when we can't see it, it's because the sun's light uh, prevents us from seeing the moon because it's so small, the light of the sun, it's such a little sliver of light that the light of the sun prevents us from seeing it. So here on earth, Obviously, if you went up there, you know, you have a different view of things. As when, when they landed on the moon, they saw things that we couldn't see from here. So here, the mission says that if one of them says, if the aide says that the, uh, that the dark side of the moon was facing the sun, he obviously is lying, because that can't be. It physically can't be. So that's what he means with the dark side. Then they would bring the second guy in, and they would check him. If their testimonies matched, they said the same thing. It was a question all individually. As we said before, even though he said it was in a chutzer, it doesn't mean they were all outdoors in a chutzer. They had a, a building there where they interrogated the witnesses. Obviously, they had to do that privately. You couldn't, you couldn't interrogate them in front of the other guy because then they could easily, you know, uh, cheat. So here they checked them individually. So if the second guy's testimony matched the first guy's, then it's coming and it's established. Now, once that's established and they said, okay, we accepted these two guys, let's say either the first set of eight or the first set that was accepted, if, if the first ones were disqualified, what do you do with all the other eight? Many eight came from around. As soon as they saw the, 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 um, the new moon, they came to testify to him, came the mitzvah, and to get a good meal. They asked him, they didn't dismiss them. They said, okay, you guys, we don't need you. You know, it's like jury to it. Okay, we got guys, you guys just go home. You came for nothing. No, we don't do that. You ask them basic questions. You just said, oh, when did you see it? Basic questions. You didn't really need them. shouldn't go out disappointed. You don't want to send them out disappointed. They, they didn't even question anything. I got a cup of tea and I went home. They didn't even talk to me. No. You question all of them. You talk to them a little bit, not going into full detail, but you question all of them to make them feel important so they should be encouraged to come back again. So the Gemara asked the first question, which we mentioned in the mission. If the, if the sun always goes in a clockwise fashion, as we said, from east to south, to uh, west to north, not exactly, but again, it ends up on the west side, northwest, 
and and ends with the, and the moon is following it closely. So ahead of the sun, was it ahead of the sun or was it to the north? That's the same thing because it's going in that northerly direction at the end as it goes wet goes from southwest to northwest. So it's going north. So isn't lifnei chama ahead of the sun the same as north of the sun? The same thing. Is it behind the sun or is it to the south? That's the same question. No. The concavity or the hollow, the hollow part of this, um, of the crescent, right? Of the crescent of, this, of the uh, moon, the hollow part, which is really the dark part to us, it's called the pikima, you know, the damaged part, the part that's, that's black. It was that facing the sun? That's what he means when he say lefnei chama. We're not talking about north and south. North and south. That says, is it north or is it south? But he said, is the concavity, the hollow part of the uh, of the of the uh, the dark part, was that facing the sun or lachar chama? Imam lefnei chama If he said it's if it's facing the sun, that can't be physically. That can't be. So then we know he's uh, that we could we can dismiss that. Amar Rabbi Elchanan the pasuk says hamshel upachet imo. The dominion and the fear is with God. He makes peace among those high up with him, meaning the celestial bodies. What does it mean by that? The sun never saw the dark side, the back part the, uh, of, the, of the moon. And not the, the, um, the, the pogum side, meaning the concavity of, this, of the moon or the concavity of a rainbow. It never saw the the weak side, the dark side of the moon, the Chol Shaddaita, because, again, Hashem wanted to make peace, so to speak, between its heavenly bodies, between the sun and the moon. This is like a personification of the sun and the moon, as if to say, Hashem didn't want the sun, the moon, to feel bad. So it didn't want the sun to be able to see its weak part, the part that's always dark, so to speak, right? We understand it in physics, we understand it in a different way, right? But he's saying is, Hashem made it that way. Hashem could have made it just like the um, part of the earth, we, uh, the earth is always exposed to the sun, right? And within a 24-hour period, the, 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 the sun, the moon, uh, the uh, earth turns around and different parts of the earth. Daylight here is, and then we have darkness. And when it's daylight here, it's uh, dark on the other part of the earth. Not so with the moon. The moon, uh, the moon, one side of the moon always faces the sun. One side of the moon never faces the sun. So that, so to speak, that the uh, moon should not be embarrassed and be humiliated by the sun. The shouldn't see the hollow part, the concavity, the hollow part of the rainbow, because Hashem did this so that the pers- people who worship the sun, who consider the sun their God, people shouldn't say that the sun is, so to speak, shooting arrows at the rainbow. Why? Because when you shoot arrows, the hollow part of your bow is on your side. So if the hollow part of the rainbow would be facing the sun, it would look like the sun is shooting arrows at the rainbow. So Hashem always made it that the rainbow, that the round part, the outside part of the rainbow is facing the sun, not the inside part. All right, we'll pick up here tomorrow. Have a good day, everybody. Kol Tuf. Kol Tuf,